Hello, my kind people out in the world. I am Nate Kowser, host of the Artist Exchange Radio Show, here live only on Big Exposed Radio every Friday, right now, at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, please like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube page on Big Exposed Radio, as well as the Artist Exchange on YouTube, uh, all of our social medias. Just go like it up and share it with your friends, your Uncle Charlie, your cousin Peaches. Get it get it out there. Uh, but today we have another special show and some awesome guests that are joining us. Um, this must be theater month because there's been nothing but theater artists so far, and I'm going to continue with going. Next week we'll have uh, a very kind spirit, Mr. Francis Sohn. He's a dancer and an actor, a fellow Coppinite, um, and he'll be joining us next week. But this week, we have two phenomenal artists. Uh, I don't like to pigeonhole uh, artists because you might be doing other things as well. Uh, but we're going to introduce them in one second. But I want to let everybody know, just give a sneak peek. Uh, the Artist Exchange uh, has a new virtual location. Uh, if you can see behind me, it looks like some shelves and such. But this is a little sneak peek of what is the new Vashti Blue uh, studio. Just a little sneak peek. We're doing a soft launch on May the 22nd, the weekend of my birthday, which is May 25th. So get all your gift cards, all what your cash apps. You said what? I thought you said that. But get all your cash apps, get all your all that stuff ready for May 24th. We're doing a, doing a soft launch of Vashti Blue Jewelry. Um, so you can come by socially distanced because my mask will stay on until somebody give me some real answers. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we'll be safe, socially distanced. We'll be doing, you know, a cycle of people coming in and you can buy and you can create and meet me in person and say hello because I haven't seen a lot of people in a very long time. But we're jumping out there in 2021 and just throwing caution to the wind and just being this no more starving artists. We're going to be thriving artists from now now on. Uh, but today I have Miss Wetzel and Miss Lamb joining us today. They are part of a festival of plays that will be uh, brought to you. Uh, and I'll let Miss Wetzel introduce the company, and then I'll let uh, Miss Lamb introduce herself as well. Well, you can great. you can introduce yourself too, Miss Wetzel. <laughs> uh, so great. Uh, my name is uh, Aladrian Wetzel, and I'm the executive director uh, of a small theater company in Baltimore. Uh, its name is Two Strikes Theater Collective, and we created the name because uh, it's a company created for and by and about Black women. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. I was born with two strikes against me. I was born mm -hmm. as both a woman and being black, and so we created this company to kind of become, make that a, a positive image to, you know, being a black woman mm -hmm. is awesome. So we want to tell switch black women. Switch the narrative. Yeah, switch the narrative, tell our stories, put our stories up front and, you know, up front in the, in the, in the atmosphere mm -hmm. um, so that people could, 
can get an understanding of kind of what we do and what we talk about and what we listen to and what we uh, understand. So, mm -hmm. uh, but, so that's a little bit about me and the company. And we created this show. It's called This Crown is Mine. And I'll turn it to Taylor. Taylor is actually one of the, uh, the playwrights that we incorporated as a part of this play. And I'll let her introduce herself and, uh, and tell us a little bit about the show. Hi, yes, my name is Taylor Lee Lamb. I am a playwright and some other things, but mainly a playwright. Um, and I am fortunate to have a piece in This Crown is Mine, which is um, focused on hair. As we know, black women's hair, black people's hair is um, a hot topic of discussion, often hair discrimination in the workplace and in schools. Um, and there's even now, luckily, legislation being pushed so that people can't discriminate against black people's hair, which is great. Um, but it's the fact that that needs to happen shows why this show is so important. Um, so it is a series of, is it 12? Is that right, Adrian? 12 pieces from 12 black women playwrights. And I am lucky to be one of them. I, I'm, I am loving the creativity that is coming out of our struggle, our stories, our trauma. Uh, hair is definitely a part of our culture as people of color. And for unfortunately, we all have a story where we've been either embarrassed or admonished uh, or just ridiculed for our hair. Um, going to private schools my whole life, I was never able to wear my hair outside of the workplace casual hairstyle. So the, the braids that I tried to get, the locks that I tried to get, the designs in my haircut, all were bashed. And I was not allowed to do it, but yet our counterparts were able to goop it up and do whatever they wanted to do with their hair. So I definitely understand you, Miss Lamb. It, it gave me a tick a flashback of high school and middle school uh, is definitely something that in 2021, we should not still be having a debate or legislation for. Uh, let people be who they are uh, and and stop it, just stop it, people. Uh, but uh, you reached out to me uh, to do an interview because you were on here before uh, and theater seems to be I don't want to say it was paused throughout this pandemic, but it was, we had to fight and figure out ways internally to still convey our messages and our stories out there because we normally are the people that keep the crazy times going. But we were kind of the first ones to get the chop, uh, artists across the board. So how was it producing, creating, artistic directing throughout this ordeal. And I'm going to ask you the same thing, Ms. Lamb, in terms of creating. Yeah. Yeah. So um, interesting, interesting thing enough, uh, Two Strikes Theater Collective, we actually started it, uh, started the collective back in July of 2019. Mm -hmm. And so our goal was to do, you know, a, you know, a couple, like maybe a soft launch or maybe like a really small show in like the early part of 2020. Mm -hmm. And so Right after, right after when COVID happened, we were like, "What? Are, what? Are, what? Are, what are we gonna? What are we gonna do?" <laughs> and so it ended up. It, I hate to say it this way, but it ended up. Uh, COVID nineteen actually kind of helped us in a mm -hmm. sense um, because uh, we don't have our own space, so it's just a collective of about five or six women. Um, okay. So it allowed us to take more effort and put more effort into, um, you know, into marketing, make, put more effort into kind of understanding like what our mission statement is 
and, and helped us with, you know, doing social media and getting our, extending our reach and letting people at least know what we were about and trying to kind of, um, you know, collect other artists who we thought, you know, would, uh, you know, understood what we were doing and wanted to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And we got a chance to do a virtual show uh, with uh, um, a shout out, shout out to the uh, uh, female centric theater, uh, the Strand mm-hmm. Theater Company. We did a a, a a virtual festival with them, play festival with them back in October of 2020. Okay. Um, and we got a chance to have, we got a chance to have playwrights, not just here in the DMV participate, but we mm. had folks from Atlanta. We had folks from Tennessee. Uh, we had folks from, from New York. So like just being mm-hmm. virtual, getting our name out there, allowed more people to know who we were. And so yeah. that kinda all kind of helped. And it's just, we're continuing to do that in a safe way and figuring out how we can try to, you know, do a hybrid situation once the theaters and stuff become open. So COVID really hasn't hasn't hurt us. It's actually helped mm-hmm. us connecting. And I like I like yeah. hearing that. I like hearing that because in many many people have said this in many different ways. It leveled the playing field. So the commercial artists had to do what we've been doing: struggle uh, and figure it out, and 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 be the face of our own creativity. And I think it it helped a lot of people thrive. I think it hurt some people because we just didn't know what mm-hmm. to do. And people, some a small portion say stuck in that. But I've seen, even for myself, other artists, this station, other state, it made us push and figure this technology thing out and figure out how to talk to each other virtually. Um, and it just set a, it, it created a whole new uh, stage. Uh, for us, you know, I teach my students a lot about different thrust stages and proscenium and environment. So now we have virtual, uh, and now it's, I think it's going to be a staple in moving forward because it's going to help people to be able to see it, as you said, around the world. So now I, I we're international create, theater companies. Yeah, I would also say that it also created new positions, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like oh yeah technical directors and people know mm-hmm. about sound guys and lighting guys, but the now there's like, yard tech. Yeah, <laughs> and OBS and zoom like technicians, mm-hmm. like people had never done that before. And now mm-hmm. there's, there's a market for it right now. People right. Are, are clamoring to try to find people who have those kinds of skills. Me, so me, me, me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's really, it's, it's really changed the, changed the playing field and kind of changed the narrative of what mm-hmm. theater could be and what it, and what it looks like. So, right, right, right. And Ms. Lamb, how unmute un- yourself? How was this moment for you as a writer? That I, I guess writers like the isolation, but was this year and some change plus 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 good for you? Yeah, I think so. I guess it's kind of hard. To, I don't know what I would have been doing if I wasn't in the pandemic. Like I don't know where okay. things would have been going. Um, but I think you know, obviously, I was still able to write. And I did do a fair bit of writing over the last year and also just kind of cooler opportunities. Like I had a group of um, black graduate students who they have been doing like a meetup since the pandemic to connect with more people in like black theater makers. And they, mm-hmm. they read my play. So they contacted me for reading. And I can't imagine that wouldn't have happened outside of the pandemic and similar things. I think there's been a lot of um, just like, 
cross collaboration across this, like across the country, outside of the country, because mm-hmm. now we all are on Zoom. So who cares if you're in California and I'm in New York, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I do think that it has opened up some more opportunities and also made people think outside of the box a little bit. Yeah, a lot of people shut down offices and now everything is virtual for them. And I just, I like the possibility of artists not feeling like their state and city lines prohibit them or your inability to be able to travel will inhibit you from creating and networking even with other artists. I I love the fact that many people found a way to communicate outside of the literal communication of reaching out beyond their four block radius. That is their city or their art community uh, and reached out to other people. I saw a lot of international collaborations with local theater companies and artists in general. So I'm really, I'm really excited for your company um, and your organization um, and how you persevered through this. I, I really, I really like this. And I think throughout this, it taught us to, to work together. We, we really do need each other. Um, what was the purpose of this uh, festival? This women led for us by us uh, festival? Yeah, so you know the the the, the precipice. The reason why we one we created two strikes, right, was because mm-hmm. uh, black women's voices tend not tend not to be heard. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, we we have we're in this weird intersection, right? That we also have we have to deal with you know um, misogyny and we have to deal with racism and the whole mm-hmm. idea of black women, you know, be black women dying, black trans women dying. We thought it was important that our voices be put in the forefront. And especially with everything happening with COVID, people needed opportunities to be able to put their voices out on the stage, be able to have mm-hmm. a, a place where art, you know, could be done and could be created to mm-hmm. be able to through all of the stuff that's happening in the world, right? And so the, this whole idea, and, and uh, Taylor mentioned it earlier, about how we have to create legislation to allow mm-hmm. me to wear a twist out at work like, and, and allow somebody not to discriminate me because I'm wearing my hair as it grows out of my head. Mm-hmm. But that whole idea was just, so we, we want to make sure that, that women get the opportunity to talk about their stories. Like this, this, uh, this, this crown is mine is not for white people. I'm sorry. It's not for mm-hmm. y'all, right? It's for it's for a, for black women to be like, look, I'm here to talk to other black people. I want y'all to hear my story. Celebrate us. Yes, celebration. Black hair is always policed, antagonized. It's it's told that it's ugly. Like we wanted to have mm-hmm. a place and a space for people to tell their personal stories to be able to celebrate what we right. all think is a crown, right? It's a crown right. I wear every day I'm a beautiful black queen and everybody should know about it and that's the point of this of this uh, of this particular play that I like how that narrative uh Miss Lamb is uh, can I call you Taylor I'm, I was going crazy Taylor I like that how that thing has crept into the social consciousness of artists uh, I, I'm thinking as soon as you said the, the the topic matter of your I thought of bad hair and how cartoonish it was, how they exaggerated, but it wasn't that far from how we really have self-hated ourselves and policed ourselves and kind of restrained ourselves. Um, even, even for me, I just got tired of doing everything, trying to be professional, but yet be an artist and, 
you know, even as an actor, I was policed in college because I wanted a mohawk one semester and I wanted Twister. And I want, and we've been told as black people, you gotta just cut that off so you can be, you know, more professional. And that is, is disheartening because you're telling me, leave a part of yourself and throw it away. And give me give me a, a blank slate of who you are. And it's, it's horrible to even imagine that. What is your experience, uh, Taylor, in in uh, this this production? Or where are you personally in this production? So I have a piece in it. Um, I actually didn't write as much about a personal experience, um, although mm. I do have plenty of stories about my hair <laughs> that I could have written. But I kind of, it's more of like commentary um, on okay. the actual hair movement um, and where it currently stands from the perspective mm-hmm. of an Instagram influencer or YouTube YouTube, Instagram, mm. you know, all the influencers. Um, so, yeah, mm. so that's, I have a piece in there um, with a great actress. And it, and, but there are also a lot of really good pieces. There's poetry and dance, um, and it's just very unique. Mm. How did, how did, as a playwright, how do you fit your piece in a short? Because normally we want these epic plays that give all this explanation and characterization, but how do you condense that for a festival purpose? That or is, edit. I guess the word is edit. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, it helps that it, it, it wasn't like I like wrote something that I had to adapt, but that okay. I wrote a very clear prompt, you know? Um, also, I'm, I'm still pretty new to playwriting. I only have one full-length play. Um, so I'm like, and full length stuff takes me a long time and like years to edit and go back. So it's, it was almost refreshing to be like, this is the prompt. You only have this many minutes. This is the deadline. So it like forced me to get out of my head and really be very clear with the story, um, which I think that sometimes with full length stuff, you, you are allowed to be a little less clear because you have more time, which could be good. But I think that it was really, it was nice that it forced me to be concise. Yeah, okay. Taylor, I, I can tell you, I'm, I'm also, I also do dabble in playwriting too. And I'm with you. I have like maybe one or two full length pieces and they take forever and they take a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And I like the five to five to 10 minute, like I can, I can create a, 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 an arc of a story in a short amount of time because that's a, that's enough time to kind of get an understanding of kind of who's involved, what's happening. And then you can be done. Without all the extra transitions. Without all that extra stuff. And especially especially if you have a prompt like we did for This Crown is Mine, we said it had to be less than five minutes and it had to talk about black black hair, you know, black women, black hair experience. And that, at least that gave some level of parameter. So there's still so many different creative things that you can do even within that, those two pieces. And you can see that whenever uh, our show premieres on May 22nd. We've got, like Taylor said, we got poems we got choreo poems we got dancing we have monologues we have like you know different kinds of plays know that it's just theater it's just, and, mm. and it's all filmed and we're we all like it's pre-filmed and pre-recorded and it'll be basically about an hour or so of just black hair experience that's what it's going to be where did that where are you in that experience and choosing that as a writing prompt for your playwrights well, for me, uh, mm-hmm. well, one of our one of our uh, board members, uh, her name, shout out to uh, Rachel Wilson. Uh, she came okay. up with the idea when we were uh, when we were kind of thinking about what we wanted to do for this season. 
Um, okay. She's really just fascinated with just different different women's perspectives on hair. And we sent a note out to, you know, a, a, a several playwrights or people that we had worked with previously or people who we wanted to work with and said, hey, we got this idea. We want to write about black hair. Are you interested? Send us a sample of your writing and like, we'll let you know. And then from there, we kind of distilled it down to about 12 folks who we thought would uh, had, a, had a voice and something that needed to be heard. And then okay. we kind of pieced together, like, you know, over the, uh, I think we did it since, since February or March, we kind of pieced it together and gave them the opportunity to write. Uh, our director of play development, uh, you know, had made herself available. So if they needed to, you know, bounce ideas off of someone, you know, be able to provide like additional feedback to help them with their writing and also mm -hmm. help them with any direction. Um, and then I kind of worked with them to help to see, you know, what technical pieces that they wanted to use and, and incorporate into their piece. Uh, and then kind of from there, we've, we kind of created this, you know, really, really interesting um, block. And they're all, again, they're all different, but really interesting block of, of plays that kind of speak to the different, you know, different aspects of, uh, of black, being a black woman and, 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 and your hair. So I, I think it's a good opportunity to get a lot of people, uh, you know, again, five minutes is not a long time, but it's just mm -hmm. enough to, to get an idea and get a sense of who somebody's voice is um, when they're actually writing and, and creating. It makes a powerful statement. I love festival style plays because you normally get through all the pomp and circumstance and you get to the point. Um, but as an actor, we like to get our chops and be seen and elongated, but I'm quite sure as a playwright, it has to be very rewarding to just get a clear, concise message across. Um, one of my favorite playwrights, Susie Lloyd Parks, in her 365 plays in 365 days, she wrote, some of them was a page long, a, a couple sentences, but they were very powerful in and of themselves being very short and that you had to interpret the theme or it forced you to really focus on what was being said and not kind of piecing things together throughout an hour and a half, two hour piece. Uh, in terms of uh, creating festivals, how what, what goes into creating a festival? For somebody who may be thinking about either yeah, being a so, part of it or doing one themselves. Yeah, so the I would say the best, um, the best piece of advice I can give someone who would want to start like a play festival or music festival or whatever is, is to, is to, to put a schedule together. You okay. know, it sounds like really, really basic. Get organized people. <laughs> but you gotta be organized like upfront. Right. And mm -hmm. I mean, Taylor can attest to this when we had our first production meeting with all of the playwrights, I put out a schedule that was like, okay, this is the first day you start writing. This is the day your first draft is due. This is the day that we're going to, you know, you know, your final draft is due. This is when your videos are due. You know, you have to put specific milestones mm -hmm. to make sure that everyone knows what they're doing. Because what happens, especially in theater, is people who don't put a schedule together, we get like real late. It becomes like a, like two days before the oh, festival. God, oh, my God, I got it. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to do that and have very clear guidance about what you what your expectations are. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm old school. I, I I'm all about contracts, right? Put it in black and white. Tell people exactly. We gotta have a meeting, we, man. You gonna meet after this? Because I need you in my life. Because <laughs> as a as a mainly a performer, I've been a director, so that is my. I have to know the dates before we even start rehearsal. But as an yeah. actor, that makes me feel so safe. 
Because that means you thought about my time before you actually met me. And that, that makes me feel this safe. Yeah, and just yeah. appreciate it because we're not going to be in here guessing, oh, this may take two hours of rehearsal today, or this may, you put together, thank you, you thank you. You put, you put it out front. Like I said, I, we, we had contracts, all of the playwrights had a contract that said, mm -hmm. you know, this is what you're responsible for, this is how much we will get paid because of Two Strikes Theater Collective, we pay our artists. Okay. This what, is what when, when is the next open call? When, when is the next open call? <laughs> uh, but I will. Ha I have to. We'll have to tell you one thing. I will have to admit. I, I, on my day job, I'm a project manager, so okay. producing well, is not. Far and off and that that goes into another part of it. Being able to use your outside experience, often as artists and entrepreneurs, all the things we did on our on our real jobs, our jobs, our nine to fives, we normally leave that at the job. No, bring that with you. You need that customer service training. As somebody who sells something, I know plenty of people who sell stuff who don't miss. Did you ever work in customer service? Like at, at some point, did you learn anything? But I, I think that's very valuable for artists. Bring your world experience to your art. It will. I'm sure as a writer, it only makes your job easier to pull from content if you bring your life experience. Don't, don't leave that when you decide, I'm going to jump off this cliff. No. Bring that with you because you will need that to cushion that fold <laughs> that's going to happen sooner or later. Um, in, in terms of writing, um, where where do you normally draw your experience from? Do you stay, do you prevent yourself from being personal or is being personal a part of your, your writing style? Um, so that's a good Thing. I think that, <laughs> I don't know if this is a little narcissistic, but like any play I've ever written, <laughs> there's one character that's like a little based on me. Um, mm -hmm. I just like, I write her like, I write my, I would, like, or maybe instead of based on me, I should say she's usually aspirational. Like, this is who I think I am. I don't mm -hmm. know if other people like that. So I always have one of those. Um, but generally, I actually haven't written that many things based on personal experience as much okay. as I have like, things that I see out in the world that I want to comment on because I have a lot of opinions. <laughs> um, so, but rather but that's than an experience like, though, that's yeah. a, it may not be your, you didn't walk in that experience, but you spectated, you, mm -hmm. you viewed it. So that's your experience. Yeah. So yeah, most of the stuff that I've written is like, I see something on the mm -hmm. news or just like in the world. And I'm like, I have thoughts about that. Let me try to make a play out of this. Mm. Mm. Well, I'll, I'll speak on the elephant in the room. We during this year we had Breonna Taylor. Throughout this pandemic, I'll say we had Breonna Taylor. We had one after another trans woman being killed. We we had the George Floyd death, murder, and trial, uh, and soon conviction. Um, well, conviction, but now sentencing. Um, how much of that has been a part of your? Okay, I'm going to write a little bit over here. I'm going to write a little bit over here. How much of and all this stuff bombarding us with a pandemic, a global pandemic on top of that, how much of that has been in your journals or your your little side uh, playwrights journal? Yeah, I mean, it's I not necessarily my plays. I've written some blog posts and then also some okay. articles. Um, I think that, if anything, it's more that it, like, Go, what goes on in the world 
pushes me to do like some more education, which then influences my plays. So just for mm. example, after George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, um, I was really, there was a lot of conversation about abolition of prisons and policing. So I started, you know, doing my Googles, reading the books and everything. And that has since in, influenced a lot of my work. Um, mm. So it's less of like, I'm going to write a play about these people who have been murdered by the police, but more like, this injustice inspired me to learn something else that is now completely changing the way I approach my writing. Mm. I, I think that is smart, especially for a new playwright, um, because that goes beyond research, because now you're creating content to be able to pull from and, and writing about. So I can't wait to see what that one is, because I know you went in on that research. Um, tell me a little bit about your the other plays in in this festival and you don't have to give me you know synopsis on all of them but what can we expect yeah sure like i said i'm literally like in the throes of doing all the editing and putting all the pieces together so uh, so we have taylor's piece that talks about a you know an, an instagram influencer and her opinions on on natural hair uh, mm. i think we have one p a piece about a, a woman who has dreadlocks and about her acceptance of, of you know uh, you know comments from from other people and her kind of growing into her idea of mm -hmm. you know loving her her hair the way it grows out of her head. Uh, another person uh, wrote about um, uh, wrote from the perspective of black hair, so it's actually a, mm -hmm. someone who has personified black hair and talked about the history of how that's our my hair... favorite writing from. I love yeah. personification. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. But it, it talked about like the, how the history, how like black hair, like we, you know, from the transatlantic slave trade, and how um, the tignons that they used to wear, uh, the, the hair coverings that they put on uh, women in in uh, Louisiana, and about how we've kind of taken full circle and kind of come back to understanding our hair type. Uh, another woman wrote a choreo poem about like not hating her hair, but not really hating her hair, but not really loving it either, just kind of accepting who she is, right? Mm -hmm, and she's still mm -hmm. kind of figuring out what that is. So the, the plays run the, the gambit from personal, oh, oh, I forgot, my, one of my favorite ones. Uh, someone wrote about being in theater and she wrote a play about how like, we'll, we'll say it, how, how some, you know, dramaturgs and like costumers and hair people don't what consider- What are we gonna do with this? what our hair yeah what am i gonna do with this and she wrote a whole like presentation a whole play about her talking to this dramaturg lady and this lady's like uh yeah i, I can't get a wig you don't want me to get a wig uh, i'm not paying for my own weave as a part of the show like you need to pay for something that you want me to do differently and it's just an interesting kind of way to kind of talk about that mm. topic straight up and i was like this 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 play it it, it is really really good i mean all of them are really really good the series the series but it's talking about theater like that one that one hit close to home because i, mean, I was just that that i i oh boy that took me back to high school uh oh it, it just i i can't put racist on every single person ignorant i can't uh, and insensitive, I can. You know, you it it's something. Hair seems so insignificant to everything else that's going on in the world, but it's 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 how it grows out of my head. Even if you you wear tracks or you wear lace fronts or you color it or cut it, 
it is your, it's how we represent ourselves. Outside of our face, that's how, in our clothing and how we speak, that's normally the first thing people notice about us. So we put attention into that as people of color. And you, Brent, like, yeah, that, that, that one, ooh, yeah. right that here. One, that one hits right. you. Even well, as look. a guy, as a guy, because we are taught that either you cut it all off or you wear a nice Caesar haircut, and that's, that's it. Even a beard, the same thing you all are going through with lots, facial hair. This used to be horrible for me. It, we were never allowed to have beards in terms of educational systems or workplace environments. This was unprofessional. Now it's in vogue. Right. You know, it, and it's a part of pop culture now. And I'm thinking, I, I, so I understand where you all are coming from. Uh, as somebody who had a high top fade and had to cut it off in order no. to go to my middle school. Like I was, you know how hard it is to get your Gumby just right? <laughs> but it, it was it was definitely, you know, this is this is coming home. And a lot, you will trigger a lot of people with this festival uh, and with, if with your words, uh, Miss Taylor, it's really going to be. Whew, I this is a people don't realize how sensitive hair is to us. We guys and women alike. We spend our a big part of our lives in barbershops and hair salons, or in hair stores, or you know, trying to figure out how to get our own lineup together. But this is definitely, I, I commend you for for jumping out there and not you know, trying to stay on an, another path. We're talking more about police brutality and like really going in a total different direction with, with our activism. Um, right. Because this was real controversial uh, a couple years ago when they were trying to create legislation to um, accept locks as a part of educational systems and workplace environments. And the I fact mean, that you all are putting that out there is marvelous. Yeah. The crown, I mean, the Crown Act is is not a national. It's not national yet. It's only available in, a, in several states. Thankfully, I think believe here in Maryland, it it, it is enacted here. Right. Um, but it's funny. What uh, I don't know if you watch HBO, but um, uh, last night or uh, last last was it last last week tonight? Last week tonight with John mm -hmm. Oliver. Uh, last week he did um, he did a specific uh, segment. So this white British dude is talking about you know edges being laid. Um, and he did a segment about, about black hair and about black hair mm. discrimination and about how people, like you said earlier, it's not necessarily racism. Mm -hmm. It's just ignorance, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have a question, like, don't come and touch my hair. I don't know mm. you. If you have a question about black hair, Google it, you know, figure out what type in lace front wig, type in twist out, type in dreads. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's not my responsibility to teach you. It's my responsibility. To, all right. To listen and ask, answer questions appropriately. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, like it's other people have to understand if I have to understand how your hair works. And, and, and if I were a theater artist and I know what kinds of things that you do to your hair mm -hmm. on the same path, you need to know what I do and you need to make sure that I, my hair is my, I'm taken care of in a larger production or in a show or in a movie. And there's, there's, there are, sorry, sorry I'm going off on tangent. There, are, go ahead, go ahead. there are actresses like, a-list, B-list actresses like in Hollywood who have to do their own hair because they don't have hairdressers mm -hmm, to do their mm -hmm. hair, men and women alike. Someone just yep. sprays some water and picks it out. I'm like, no, you, 
there shouldn't be there should you know Halle Berry shouldn't be doing her own hair. She should yeah. ask to do it. Right. And what our hair takes and what different textures and what have you. And that's not always the case. Small stage or on the big stage. And it, it's 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 it goes deeper than this. So hair will go into makeup, go into how we dress, our vernacular, our language. It is so many, you know, tentacles to this conversation. Uh, but again, you know, I'm on the fence on whether it's my responsibility to educate or get a book, read a book, Google, you know, <laughs> or or the the intention of your question is really to knock me. It's not really to learn something new often. It's really because you don't understand it and it's ugh to you. you know, or to so fantasize that, it. Or on the flip mm -hmm. side, to be like, oh, look, that's so beautiful. I've never mm -hmm. seen that before. It's so exotic. I'm like, mm -hmm. no, it's not. It's yeah, just, the Bo Derrick slash Kardashian braids now. That's, oh, wow. Kardashian can't really wear those cornrows. We wasn't, we wasn't, you don't even know the origin of that. You don't even know why cornrows are a thing. So it, it it's embarrassing you know, when, when our aesthetics become, you know, pop culture lingo or topic matter, but it's, it's worse when you see it now being a part of the lexicon. So when, when, when white men started wearing beards, it became, mm. and I'm not saying they never had them, but they would shave them to be professional. You know, but now it's a part of, so now it's acceptable for me to have a beard. And I struggle with it because as black men, we have to grow this out in order for it not to damage our skin. So it's not something that's just, it was this decoration. It was a tool. We had to do that. But again, not understanding our culture or how we are as people will leave you ignorant and saying ignorant things and making legislation that's or rules that's just ignorant so I'm, I'm really excited i'm really excited for this festival i'm really excited for you lamb to get your your words out there and this is a is a that's an interesting topic in 2021 to have it come from a social influencer because because if i see one more hair tutorial you know on the on the new comb the new comb natural hair comb <laughs> i'm gonna go crazy but it's big business and in us, we spend so much money on this, but yet we still get discriminated. So our money doesn't necessarily match the respect we get back from it. And then that goes into a whole nother lexicon of conversation, you know, the Asian hair markets and, but we not, we don't get the respect level for the money that we invest in this, this big business, you know, um, in terms of uh, what's next, you know, uh, how can we how can we get tickets to this? Or, you know, sure. when when would this be premiering? So uh, this crown is mine. Uh, we'll be premiering on uh, May twenty second, uh, and you can go to our website. That's a uh, uh, two strikes collective dot com, mm -hmm. and uh, that is the best place where you can go to get a ticket. It's pay what you can because we okay. understand that you know. Not everybody can afford, you know, mm -hmm. you know, a, a certain ticket price. So we were, so we're taking it as uh, two strikes is taking that as a donation. Okay. Um, so it's pay what you can, and the, uh, the the video will be 
uh, live streamed uh, on YouTube, um, premiered on the 22nd. I think we're also going to try to live stream it on our Facebook page as well. But okay. uh, so okay. we appreciate the donation uh, if people can afford. Uh, How do they to donate though? How and what oh, ways can they donate? Yeah, if you, if you again, if you go to twostrikescollective.com um, and you and you go to to register for a ticket, okay, okay. it'll take you to uh, Eventbrite and then it'll give you a um, a donation link to our PayPal. Uh, to be able to support the the work that we do and to pay the artists that um, that we have as a part of our company. What what else is going on with Two Strikes Theater Company? Right. So uh, uh, right after we close uh, uh, this crown, you got to keep it moving. You got to keep, keep it moving. Got to keep it going. <laughs> keep it flowing. Uh, on uh, June nineteenth, on Juneteenth. Uh, we are doing a, a co-production, a, co a co-partnership uh, with Fells Point Corner Theater. Um, mm -hmm. We actually have, uh, as a part of Two Strikes, we have a, um, a playwrights collective. So once a month, we have a group of women who are playwrights, and we have an opportunity for everyone to kind of share what they're working on and what they're writing to get feedback. And what we want to use and we want to show and we want to do on, on Juneteenth is to sell the celebration of the work that they've been working on over the last couple of months. So it will be a series of staged readings, um, maybe some filmed content um, for maybe a couple for, for, for a couple hours on Juneteenth to kind of, again, showcase the work that's kind of come out of, mm -hmm. of a collective. Uh, and then uh, later this summer, we're doing a podcast to talk, a limited series podcast to talk about just topics relative to COVID-19 and how they kind of impacted, you know, the black community, especially us as black women. Uh, and then at the end of the year is our flagship uh, show. It's called um, the Brown Sugar Bake Off. And that's the, uh, the larger play festival that we have um, mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the end of the year in October. So again, Are those short plays as well. Yes, those will be 10 minute plays. Okay, okay. And with that one, we actually have a, a larger prompt. So it's um, how do we work it? We usually give people was it you have to have a, a black one protagonist. Um, you have to have a certain number of, of, of uh, characters. I think it's like no more than four or five characters because of COVID. Mm. Uh, and uh, brown sugar is always a, a, um, a topic. So you have to incorporate brown sugar as a part of your uh, part of your writing. And then we usually have maybe three or four other topics. I think last year we had a wig. So it was brown sugar, a wig, a gathering, um, and someone. What was it? A sign. And a sign. Yep, that was right. That's right. Taylor was in the <laughs> in that one too. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that festival will be it's a, just slightly different, but again, it's it's kind of opening the aperture again to allow black women to tell their stories, not specifically about black hair, but about any black women experiences that they want to to try to incorporate those individual pieces as well. So we got a full year of stuff. How often do you do full length plays and do you only do original work? Right. So uh, right now, because uh, you know, original work. yeah. So right now, because of because of COVID and like you know, uh, also the fact that like full length plays and non original plays kind of are expensive, right? To get the yeah. rights to it. Yeah. And if we're going, if I'm going to do a full length play and I'm going to pay for the rights, like I want to wait till we have the opportunity to be on stage, right? Mm -hmm. Do it mm -hmm. like do it full up, pay the tickets, have it for a several weekends. So Two Strikes is kind of leaning right now to being more to original work, again, to allow these artists 
and women who were kind of out there or women who didn't even think they could be playwrights or new playwrights to give them the opportunity to showcase their voice. That's kind of where we're focusing on, at least, at least now in the, in the, you know, the interim, uh, interim. Um, and hopefully that could, you know, blossom into maybe we can get Taylor to write a full length piece and commission her. Right, Taylor. You know, that could happen. That could happen. <laughs> well, I have a piece for you, so I'm going to be with me. We're going to talk about it because I, uh, I, I just, I love what Baltimore and beyond is doing within our Black, our women, our LGBTQ, our other uh, minority groups. I just love the push that's happening right now and that we are spearheading. Nobody's given us an opportunity. Many of us are creating these lanes for ourselves. Um, so I much love and respect and, and success to you, uh, Ms. Taylor, as well as you too, Ms. Wetzel, uh, and that we need, we need each other. Um, and I'll, you know, as we close out, I normally ask the last question, like what advice would you give to your 17 year old self? Not to change anything. We're not going to cheat. Uh, and what advice would you give to your 17-year-old self, and what question would you ask to your 100-year-old self? Ooh. Ugh. I'm going to let Taylor go first. I got to think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, what advice would I give to my 17-year-old self? Um, I think... Cushion the blows of life a little bit. Just a cushion. <laughs> um, I think developing a mindfulness practice um, mm. because that has completely transformed my life. Like, Can you explain to people who don't know what that is? Yeah, so uh, a mind mindfulness, like as in, and I I'm, may not define it properly, but I think we'll get the vibe. Mindfulness mm-hmm. is like being present, you know, and actually being, like being where you are and what you're doing. So instead mm-hmm. of like, doing this and thinking about other things or being on autopilot, being present in the moment. And lots of things can be mindfulness practice. Um, mine is literally a seated meditation, 20 minutes a day um, that I started a year ago. It wasn't 20 minutes. I started with five. Um, but that was the catalyst to so many other things in my life. Like once you sit down and you like give yourself a moment to just be that really opens up a lot of doors. If you're someone who doesn't normally do that, which I was not. Um, so I think that that is something that I would have, I would tell my 17 year old self is to start her mindfulness practice. And that you were right on with mindfulness It's any exercise or activity that either centers you as an individual or brings a group to a centered place. It's yoga. Like you said, any of those mindful training exercise and what, what question would you ask to your 100 year old self? Honestly, I'm that, that question scares me. I think I I just want to be like, did you have a good time? And hopefully she says yes. And then I don't want to know anything else because I don't, I feel like that's just going to make me anxious knowing too much about my future. Hmm. And you, Miss Wetzel, I just love that name. I love it. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's funny, like I said, my, my Instagram handle is literally chocolate covered Wetzel. So uh, <laughs> that's a t-shirt. Please put yeah, that on a t-shirt. t-shirt. That's merch. Um so I so so Taylor's I was had a version of Taylor's mindfulness 
really to my 17 year old self. So I'm going to, but I'll adjust a little bit. Uh, I think if one advice I would tell my 17 year old self is um, be savage, be bold. Okay. I was like, I, like I said, I'm, we'll, we'll, we'll just say I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere between 30 and 40 years old. Not gonna okay. tell what number. Okay. But the, it's the, nobody's I, business. It's your it's business. business. I might be 25. Well, well whatever. Um, but, I stop counting. <laughs> but no, but seriously, so when I when, once I turned 30 and, and came in my 30s, I became more centered about who I was. Mm. And I would love for my 17 and, and not caring what other people thought and just kind of being me and doing me right. and doing me to the fullest. Right. If you know, and I wish that I could have told my 17 year old self, like not to worry about all these things and, you know, you know, being thinking about the future and doing all this. No, sis, just be you. Mm -hmm. be, do what you got to do. Ask the questions. Do what you need, and then just don't worry about the haters. Just like keep on moving. Like that's what mm -hmm. I would tell seventeen, Aladrian. Um, I think the question I would ask a hundred-year-old Aladrian Wetzel would be, "Did you have fun?" Mm. Because, like, at the end of the day, like those are the memories that you that you remember. You remember mm. the, the good times, right? Did, did 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 you enjoy your life? Did you have fun? Did you try new things? Um, mm. you know, did you, you know, did you experiment? Did you step outside of your comfort zone? I want to see if she continues to kind of do that, which is kind of where I want to be, um, and continue to do myself. I've never, I've never, I've never edited video before. And now I'm editing plays for a whole festival. So we got to try new things every now and then. Really try new things. It won't work. Maybe a little. And, and these, and these responses, uh, in my, I'm a kind of a psychology geek, uh, a Rorschach test, if you will, geek. Um, and these questions tell you a lot about where you are currently. You know, right now you're putting your nose to the ground and you're working things. So you may not be having the fun that you want to have across the board. And it's just, it tells you where you are mentally. You know, it's like the inkblot test to yourself almost. So ask yourself these questions in your mindful you know, meditations and it, it where you are and this question should change and may go back and may push forward. It may stay the same for a minute while you're building. But this uh, to everybody that's listening, ask yourself these questions periodically as a writing prompt or a mindful training prompt. Uh, it really lets you get gives you a good indication of where you are, what you may need to work on, what you're excelling in. Uh, based on how you answer those two questions. 17 is a moment where the veil has been lifted. And I'm sure if we're any of us are blessed to get to 80, 90, 100 and beyond, the veil has been, been dropped off a long time ago. Uh, so where you are, is this such a, just taking it day by day. It's no, it's no question as to what is next. Is this, where am I at right now? Uh, so definitely, uh, thank you, ladies. Uh, one more time, can you give the information on how people can get tickets and how people can support your organization in general? And also uh, uh, give us your contact and social media, Miss Lamb. <laughs> uh, so I'll go first. Uh, so again, Two Strikes Theater, Theater Collective. Uh, you can reach us and give donations and, and get tickets to uh, This Crown is Mine on 
twostrikescollective.com. We're also mm -hmm. on social media, on Facebook, we're at TSTC underscore Baltimore and on Facebook t uh, at TSTC uh, dot Baltimore. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you. I'm meeting then. <laughs> you can find me on social media at Tay Lee Lamb. Lee is spelled L-E-I-G-H, lamb like the animal. Um, and I, I have a website, but I'm not yet at the place where I can justify the expense of a domain. But if you Google Taylor Lee Lamb, my website does come up. But it's like one of those log website names because I'm not I'm not there with the just name.com yet. <laughs> but just a just a tip it. Get it now because if you don't, once you start putting that out in the lexicon, people buy them up. Yeah. So get it now or you had to make change your name or alter it slightly, <laughs> but no pressure. No we'll make pressure. it rain, Taylor. We'll make it rain and get you that domain, <laughs> that domain address. <laughs> Thank you, ladies, for joining us. I really appreciate it. I'm definitely gonna tune in. I wish you so much well. Um, please come back again and again and again and again. Uh, when Juneteenth comes up, we definitely need to have you back on. I really appreciate you for thinking of the artist exchange. We are here for you. We're here to help you with engagement and get your message and your story out there. So many blessings to you all, Miss Tay, Lee Lamb, and Miss Wetzel, the chocolate covered <laughs> Wetzel. Uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate you uh, both for tuning in and joining us today. Uh, and for the rest of the show, I just want to let you all know, support each other. So this is the year to get out there and jump. We go bring all the blessings to Miss Lamb and get that get that domain popping so we can speak <laughs> that into her existence. Uh, and don't forget on the 22nd, not only uh, is this production going to premiere, but we're also doing a uh, pop-up, not a pop-up, we're no longer doing pop-ups because we got a permanent space because we jumped off the bridge. <laughs> uh, and come on out, 1734 Merlin Avenue. Uh, myself, uh, I was trying, I thought she was going to come on. Uh, Miss Tamika from the Style Lounge, she's having a graduation for her youth entrepreneurship program. So we're doing kind of like a big, soft opening of both of our businesses as well as promoting the youth on that day. So come on down, you know, take part in it, get some refreshments. We're going to have some nice vittles, some nice vegan vittles because I'm no longer eating of the meat substance. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then we're also going to be having all the jewelry on display um, and you can come and sign up. We're doing a summer program as well. So you can come and sign up adults as well as children. Uh, we're doing an entrepreneurship uh, push our artists and our youth so definitely come on by sign up see some stuff get some vittles see a graduation buy some stuff and just chill socially distance right safe all that 1734 maryland avenue the 22nd from 10 to 7 so you come in any window of time and ladies again Thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, much success to your theater company and your writing and all that you all do creatively and in life in general. Be safe. Um, and this has been another edition of the Artist Exchange Radio Show only on BeExposedRadio.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and send...